This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Delicious, meat nutritious, and the snack that packs a real protein punch, wonderful pistachios. Each one-ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value and making wonderful pistachios one of the highest protein nuts out there. But perhaps more than that, I love all of the flavors they have. Their sea salt and vinegar ones are my favorite when I'm craving that flavor, but still want to keep it healthy. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. Wonderful pistachios come in a variety of flavors like chili roasted, honey roasted, smoky barbecue, and jalapeno lime to name a few. Perfect for enjoying with family or friends and taking them with you on the go. Whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snacking game today. So fill up with a healthy snack when hunger strikes. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. That's wonderfulpistachios.com. This is Optimal Living Daily, episode 2753, on the pleasures and sorrows of life without screens by Cal Newport of calnewport.com. And I'm your narrator, Justin Mollick, the guy that reads blogs or articles to you every single day of the year covering happiness, personal development or self-help, minimalism, mindfulness, and a lot more. With that, let's get right to our next post as we optimize your life. On the pleasures and sorrows of life without screens by Cal Newport of calnewport.com. I recently received a message from a friend of mine, a young man named Mike. He told me that digital minimalism had changed his life. Naturally, I asked him to elaborate what he meant. In response, he listed the following changes. He lost 15 pounds and dropped his body fat by six percentage points. He went from being terrible at dancing to pretty good. He sent me a video of him in a dance circle to prove this claim. He developed a Brazilian jiu-jitsu practice and he strengthened many relationships. This list might seem surprising. My book is about technology, and yet none of the changes listed by Mike seem to have anything to do with social media or smartphone settings. But as I've learned over the past few months, his experience is actually quite common among those who take the minimalist plunge. When people contemplate the declutter process I suggest in my book, in which you spend 30 days away from optional technology as a prelude to simplifying your digital life, They often predict that the main challenge will be compensating for the benefits and features they'll miss out on. But this prediction is almost always wrong. Most people report that after a week or so of some mild withdrawal symptoms, they're surprised by how little they miss the features of services like Twitter or Instagram. The real problem, and this surprised me, is figuring out how to deal with all the free time this move toward minimalism suddenly injects into your life. Here's how a reader named Lori described the experience of going through my digital declutter, quote, I learned that a lot of actions in my day are mindless. We all have much more time than we think we do. We just fill it with lots of scrolling. Here's what I realized. I'm addicted to using my phone, specifically using my phone to curtail boredom during free periods in my life. 
My problem, which is apparently common amongst people who have done this same digital fast, is that I didn't have a good downtime activity to engage in, end quote. Another reader, a philosophy professor named Anna, put it this way, quote, I was left with a lot of silence. What do I do in the evening after work when I'm home alone and really tired and it's raining hard outside? In the beginning, I spent a significant amount of time being bored. I wandered the house in circles looking for something to do, end quote. We convince ourselves that we use our phones to fill in occasional idle moments, but stories like Lori and Anna's point toward a more troubling conclusion. Perhaps we initially used our phones in this manner, but over time, their role expanded, subtly pushing aside other, more sustaining activities in our lives. Like the once purely social drinker who ends up hiding empty beer cans from his family, all this tapping and swiping has a way of shifting from an occasional distraction to a default behavior. So when you finally remove it, you're suddenly left with a whole mess of silence, just you and your feelings and an uneasy sense of not knowing what to do next. Which brings us back to Mike. Faced with the sudden stretches of free time generated by minimizing his digital life, Mike decided to aggressively fill in these blanks. He began by following my recommendation from chapter four to inject more solitude into his life. He deployed what he called the AOB method with his phone, as in airplane mode, off, and in my bag, to force himself to regularly be alone with his own thoughts and start getting in touch with what he cared about, what he was missing, and most importantly, what he wanted to do with himself. Because Mike is young in his 20s, much of his socializing happened online, so he also decided to take proactive steps to replace this sense of connection after minimizing his digital life. To do so, he instituted regular office hours each week, pre-scheduled time periods during which his challenge was to connect with people he cared about, either in person or on the phone. As Mike explained to me, he ended up getting back in touch with people he hadn't really talked to in years, and the long-form analog conversation fostered a sense of connection deeper than anything he had experienced in recent memory. Finally, Mike made a list of the concrete personal goals he wanted to pursue. He recruited a board of directors, an expert mentor for each goal, to help direct him and hold him accountable. It didn't take long before the accomplishments that opened this essay began to pile up. Lori and Anna had similar experiences. Though Lori reports she's still looking to develop a quality leisure activity, she's been investing heavily into real-world interactions with her friends. Quote, I've met with friends for lunch, hung out with friends casually, hung out with family casually, played tennis with friends, run with friends. I even spent a weekend away with my running friends from New Hampshire, end quote. Anna, for her part, also parlayed her boredom into more meaningful activities. Quote, I wrote a letter to a friend who is struggling right now, and I wrote cards to some graduating seniors in my college. I texted a friend and made plans for getting together over the weekend. I practiced yin yoga, and I went to bed early, end quote. She ended up canceling the Netflix subscription she previously relied on to escape from life. This is all really hard work. It's much easier to simply fill your time posting to Instagram or passively gorging on autoplayed video. But Lori reports a reduction in anxiety and stress coupled with an improved mood. Anna gave the following summary, quote, I noticed that I feel better, calmer, more in touch with who I wanna be and with what matters to me, end quote. And I've never seen Mike happier. 
You just listened to the post titled On the Pleasures and Sorrows of Life Without Screens by Cal Newport of calnewport.com. Thank you to Cal. Pretty powerful. I don't think he was exaggerating or making up that story about the friend who completely changed his life after embracing digital minimalism. I could totally see how the strangest thing is the amount of time we get back after eliminating the endless scrolling many of us do on platforms like Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, even WhatsApp and others. They're very addictive and probably take up more time than we really think. It can be really eye-opening to track it. I know many smartphones actually do that for you. You can see how much time you spent in a certain app. Like on the iPhone, for example, in the settings, there's a screen time section which shows you how much screen time you had, but also lets you set limits for certain apps, see all activity, and more. So for me, yesterday, I spent, looking at my phone, around five hours using my phone. That's quite a lot. But looking at the apps, I know some of it wasn't actually me looking at the phone, thankfully. My top apps were email, so I was looking at the phone for that. A little over 30 minutes there, which I'm totally okay with. My note-taking app for 25 minutes, and that's just because I had it opened while I was shopping, so I wasn't staring at my phone. So I'm okay with that too. Another 25 minutes texting apparently. 15 minutes on the web browser, that's fine with me. 13 minutes for my meditation app, which wasn't me staring at the phone, so that's actually a good thing. Really happy about that. And another 15 minutes using my timer for stretching. Again, same thing. So not too bad overall. Social apps didn't even make it into my top 10 apps. I'm really happy with that. But I wouldn't have known had I not checked. So I do recommend doing that if you can. Just take a look, especially if it's automatically tracked, because it might be the surprise you need to make an important change for the better. So take a look at that today. Thanks again to Cal for the article. Thank you for being here. Hopefully your podcast app is one of your top apps used today. I think that's something to be proud of. Have a great rest of your day, but don't go anywhere because I have a bonus episode for you coming right up. So stay tuned for that, where your optimal life awaits.